This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Tuesday edition of the Roundball Podcast on NBC. Sports Edge. I'm your host, Frank Nowski, my co-host, Jared Johnson. Jared, as you know, we we start the show with a pickup of the day, um, you know, from the season tools. However, today, I don't feel that it would be fair to leave you hanging when I know that your boy just went off last night for a career high, 52 points. Ja Morant absolutely exploded. That was an insane performance. Uh, I hope that you were able to, to watch part of that game. I was. It was incredible. And uh, I believe that you intro- – I think it's King Ja went off. I sold it, right. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> 52 points, 22 of 30 shooting, 4 of 4 from deep, 4 of 7 at the line. He grabbed seven boards, had two assists, 52-point career night. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. A joy to watch. I wish I had him. I think I don't have him in one league or maybe two. I wish I had him in every single league. Mm-hmm. He's been incredible. The Grizzlies gave up 105 points. No other starter scored more than eight points for Memphis. They only had two other players in double digits, but they still won the game because John Morant was insane. It's so amazing to watch where the defense knows what he is going to try to do for the most part weave his way into the paint, cause havoc. They just could not keep him out of it time and time again. And they have a good final final line defender back there in Jakob Pertl, DeJounte Murray on ball. Like, this, this, you know, granted the Spurs defensively, not a very good team overall, but yeah, Ja just took it to him. That was unbelievable. You should, if nothing else, go watch the highlights from this game if you're listening, because it was nuts. And at the end of the first half, Steven Adams bombed a, a full court pass to Ja, who caught it with 0.4 seconds left and did like an alley-oop push shot basically from like 20 feet and made it at the buzzer. One of the most insane shots. Yeah, that was absolutely, absolutely electric performance and betters ag- agreed. Well, go on. <laughs> he also put Jakob on a poster. Like, Oh yeah. He, forgot that. He yammed on him hard. Yeah. So continue. I just needed no, that, to bring that up. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. He jumped from, I think like just outside the lane basically, and just wound up on Jan Pertle. <laughs> Who had no chance. Yeah, that was uh, just another in a long line of beautiful moments from Ja this season. And Jared, I know you've got the the King Ja brand, but just a little credit (laughs) where credit is due. You were on Morant from the jump this season. You were like, people are sleeping on him in fantasy. I know he's probably one of your highest rostered player across your many leagues. Yeah. So I, I trust you're doing well with him as one of your centerpieces. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> and like like I was saying, betters agreed that this was just an MVP caliber performance. Uh, as longtime listeners probably know at this point, you can get season-long data on betting odds from our partner PointsBet uh, on our site on Season Tools. Look at live odds. And just last night alone, Jared, before the game, Ja was a plus 2,000 betting odd to win MVP this year. He jumped to plus 1,400. 
So he got, you know, whatever that is, a 30% boost in his MVP odds just after this 52-point gem, uh, which is a reminder to me, you know, jo- Joel Embiid, as we know, is a favorite to win. He's minus 110, looks like a lock. But the narrative does change pretty frequently in the, in the NBA. So I'm thinking like a, a red-hot couple weeks from Ja, a winning streak from the Grizzlies, maybe a minor injury, Joel misses some time. Suddenly, you know, this thing's back in play for John Morant. As we just saw, he can move up 600 points in, in the span of a game. So anything's possible. Another reminder of how quickly markets move as I looked into these MVP odds. Kevin Durant was plus 200 for months to win MVP. Now that started to slip when he got hurt. But just in the past month, he went from plus 4,000 to plus 15,000. So like, you know, the narrative changes quickly. Joel Embiid, as I said, is the favorite, but now he's got Harden there. He's drawing attention away from him. All it would take is a minor injury. Uh, and then Jokic, Giannis, or Jock can slip right into the mix for MVP. That would be a hell of a bet, man. <laughs> if you could, like, if you just put five on that. Yeah. Well, hopefully you bet it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> if you got your bets in yesterday, then you're then you're happy. But all right, now let's belatedly get to our pickup of the day after talking about John Morant. This is straight from the Edge NBA season tools, available seven days a week. This one comes from our colleague Zach Hanchu. He notes that Toronto still has four games left this week after playing on Monday and writes, quote, Precious Achua is 24% rostered, but over the Raptors' last two games, Achua has averaged 20.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, 3 dimes, and 2.5 triples. OG Ananobi is out indefinitely due to a fractured finger, and Achua could continue to soak up meaningful minutes off the bench. As mentioned above, the Raptors have four more games on tap Mm -hmm. this week. It's confusing when I say, as mentioned above, but anyway, um, uh, Malachi Flynn, Zach mentions also as a potential guy who filled in for Fred Van Vliet, did yeah. quite well. He had 18, five, four and two as a starter on Monday. So now that we're already in Toronto and thanks to Zach for those pickups of the day, why don't you, I'll let you jump in, talk about OG Ananobi, maybe Malachi Flynn and Fred Van Vliet if you want to get there, but definitely I want to, I want to hear what you think about OG. I know he's meeting with a specialist. What's the latest on him? He his met situation? with a specialist on Monday, but we didn't get any of the details from that meeting just yet. Uh, it's, uh, it's rough right now because if you're in, if you're currently in the fantasy playoffs, which some leagues are, I, and you don't have an IL spot available, I think this is the point in the year where you kind of have to be ruthless. Now, a fractured finger isn't the worst thing in the world. He kind of was playing through it. But if he decides to take a couple weeks off to get it right, or if they decide that they need to do a minor surgical procedure, um, that could be time. And (laughs) one thing I say about fantasy hoops, never underestimate your opponent. Never be confident. So if you if you have one of your guys, you, this isn't the point where you can stash anymore. If that IL spot is occupied by someone else, you kind of have to make a really tough decision. And I mm-hmm. did in one week, one league, I cut him. Um, I might I might regret that, but oh wow, I, yeah. I can't afford to just hope he comes back at some point and and lose in the first round. That's not happening. I'm not losing in the first round. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, sure. If you if you want to add anything there, no, just I mean, it's a good point that we can no longer have the luxury of time, right? You can't say, well, stash him in the hopes that he comes back, this or that. Uh, I know yesterday, Matt and Steve were making 
a similar kind of points about Michael Porter Jr. Like if you can afford to stash him, God bless, I guess, if you have an open IL spot, which many do because now COVID has receded and I, for instance, have multiple IL spots open and across my leagues. But if you're not in that position, a lot of fantasy playoffs start this week, right? So sure, you can't you can't risk it. Uh, in general, I would say if you have a bye week or if your fantasy playoffs don't start till next week, as long as you are not do or die, like I yeah. either need to get a win to make the playoffs or I'm in the playoffs and need to survive. If you're in a different situation than that, then I'm all for keeping OG because as you said, we haven't yeah. heard the results of the specialist. I believe there's some hope that the specialist will just confirm that he can play through pain that if he plays mm -hmm. it's not going to lead to a further problem it's just pain management we've seen this quite frequently with fractures now usually with avulsion fractures which means just a small piece of the bone is chipped off this looks like a fractured right ring finger i don't know the extent of it that's again he visited a specialist we'll find out soon uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm all for holding him if you can until we get the results of the specialist because there is apparently some optimism that he'll just play through it now even if he does, there's some downside because his field goal percentage was really brutal prior to the All-Star break, struggling with his shot. At one point, Nick Nurse uh, was encouraging Ananobi to favor his left hand, and he told him that he, he wanted him to, quote, will it in as an offensive player. So not ideal, but then again, as a fantasy manager, as long as he's, you know, the steals are there, he's going to give you some high volume counting stats. Wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, hopefully in the next 24 to 48 hours, we get uh, positive news and a target date there. And this on his shooting hand. So yeah, right. Yeah, I should have specified that. So what does it look like if he, you know, assuming OG at least misses a couple more games, what does that mean for the Raptors in a busy week? Yeah, so we touched on this. Uh, well, Zach touched on it with his pickup of the day. Precious has been doing really well over the past two games. And um, actually, and Zach wrote this when he wrote that it was his roster ship was at 24%. Uh, I checked this morning, it's up to 35, but he's still available in a lot of leagues. Four more games. Mm -hmm. Another guy who's really benefited is Scotty Barnes, who looked absolutely incredible last night. He opened the game with eight straight makes, um, and he finished with uh, 28 points on 12 of 14 shooting. Nick Nurse said after the game, I don't even think we ran a play for him. A lot of this was tip-ins. <laughs> yeah, he was just all over the floor. 16 rebounds. Uh, five steals, four assists, and a block. And this was really encouraging following his six-point dud in Saturday's loss to the Hawks. And if he can continue to like play like this, if OG does need to miss time, maybe he can make some noise in that Rookie of the Year race. Evan Mobley's currently the favorite at minus 800. But Scotty Barnes is at plus 800. That's uh, a little bit intriguing to me. Yeah, those aren't bad odds. I it's tough for me to handicap the rookie of the year race because it's it's a strange narrative for me to wrap my head around. I don't really know what the voters are looking for half the time, to be quite honest. But when I see, you know, with so little time left in the season and such a strong favorite in Mobley, and yes, the Cavs have had some troubles lately, as we know, but they're still in a very strong position. He's just been excellent. It would take a lot, I think, to make up that gap. Uh, so as a better, I'm I'm yeah. kind of staying away from that play. But yeah, he could, as as we said, he could get into it, especially if Ananobi misses more time. Uh, and man, I just love the way Barnes sets up his fantasy profile for nine cat, eight cat, even is just beautiful to me. Like beautiful. I want him on so many teams. I'm kind of fingers crossed, like a bit cynical, but I'm kind of hoping he just settles down and finishes as a top eighty guy for the season. I don't want him. I don't want people remembering next year just how elite he, he can be yeah. because I want to be able to steal him in the middle rounds. I just love what he does. 
And speaking of people who have not benefited, who we thought might, Chris Boucher, he's been awful uh, for the past three games. Last night, he had five fouls in 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. He's somehow been even worse with OG out. Um, over the past three games, he has not provided any defensive stats. That's over a total of 56 minutes just turning in single-digit stinkers. I'm done. Yeah, as am I. I'm I've done. been done. One of the better decisions I've made all season was I cut ties with Chris Boucher around week, I want to say like week 10, week 12, somewhere in there. Have not looked back. Haven't regretted it. There was a brief stretch where he was doing okay for a while off the bench, getting more minutes. Multiple players were yeah. injury, injured around him, opening up more minutes. But nothing about his role, nothing about Co- Coach Nurse's approach to him was giving me any reason to believe, right. oh, this is going to go well. At the time, I was thinking he might get traded to a good situation and that could be, you know, then I'll regret it. Obviously that didn't happen. So I'm thrilled. I I want, yeah, don't go anywhere near him. (laughs) While we're talking about, about guys who might benefit without OG and recent production, what's your take on Thaddeus Young? I had mentioned him, you know, just in the lead up to this five game week as a potential kind of low end streaming guy. Are you still on board with that? There are four, four more games this week, as Zach mentioned. Uh, does he do anything for you down to 15 minutes last night? But that was a blowout. He's usually in the low 20s. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at his game log. It's not impressive. Uh, I think maybe in a 14-team league, if you kind of need some steals, I guess, and, and the potential for some dimes from a from a power forward position, maybe he can give you that. But yeah, I'm, I'm not super excited about Thaddeus Young. And and Nick Nurse's rotations, you know, you never know exactly. Like, he could see 15 minutes in a non-blowout game, honestly. So, yeah, no. Uh, but he does have four games left. If if you are looking, if if you're in a deeper league and there's not much on the waiver wire, I, I understand it. That's a good point. That I I could certainly see that just suddenly getting 12 minutes one night, just based on the rotations. All the starters played 38 or more, and Thad didn't play much. On the other hand, I cannot see Thaddeus Young playing 32 minutes. You know what I mean? I I think his minutes can go down. I don't think they can go up at this point. Not to mention, Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back, they get a day off. Then Thursday, Friday, back-to-back, four games and five nights. Now, they did play Thad in a back-to-back situation last week, uh, 40-something minutes combined in those games. But will they play him four games and five nights after he's barely played this season? I I don't know. Right. So I guess, yeah, you know, as you said, pick them up deeper league if you need someone great. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. In the meantime, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet to enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Knicks and Sixers, Kings and Pelicans, and Thunder and Nuggets. So if you do not have the Predictor app yet, download it now, wherever you download apps. Jared, let's move on to some injury updates. Beginning in Chicago with Alex Caruso, what's the latest on (laughs) Mr. Caruso, another one of your your favorite guys this season? (laughs) I did love him. He was having a great season, but unfortunately, due to Grayson Allen, he's still not taking contact he got it. He was able to get on the floor yesterday for the first time since undergoing surgery. But uh, Billy Donovan said that he was basically barely using his right hand. Um, he was very clear about um, Caruso is not experiencing pain in his right wrist, but it's more about building up the strength again and getting over the stiffness. I don't know if you've ever broken your wrist before. I have, but mm. it's kind of like once you get that cast off. Um, it's you, you, you don't have any strength. It looks so weird. Anyways, I'm getting off topic here, but, um, so he's Billy Donovan said it's going to be another few weeks mm-hmm. until he's even cleared for contact. And then I imagine at that point, you know, I, I don't think it's just cleared for contact and he's good to go. I think cleared for contact and maybe another week, uh, before he gets out there. And that takes us basically to the end of the fantasy season in a lot of leagues. So, yeah. uh, for me, uh, I, I've been asked if he's a stash again. I don't think we're really in the in the time frame where you're stashing guys who who might come back for like the fantasy finals. I don't know. And and how useful will he really be? So mm-hmm. uh, it'll continue to be Kobe White, Io Desunmu, and Javante Green picking up the slack while he's out. Um, Kobe White's good for points and triples. Io Desunmu's uh, the best pickup out of that group with his ability to impact all areas of the stat sheet oh just salt in the wound so i i had missed the fact by the way that that caruso was out for multiple more weeks all i had seen the headline that he was out of his uh his brace but man dosumu i had picked him up in our 30 team uh league which you are in the playoffs of as am i uh i had picked him up and i ended up cutting him one of the few well maybe the only really demonstrably bad moves that I've made in that league all year. I've, I've, I've done exceptionally well, but it still burns me that I, I cut IO. I got a little excited, obviously, had I known the injuries that would free him, it would have been a different story, but he's, he's going off. He's been a mid round guy. He's so reliable, just chips in across the board, even on nights when he doesn't score, it seems like he'll get three, you know, three steals that night and a couple of yeah. couple triples yeah. just finds ways to get it done for eight cat nine cat. So I love him. And with this update on Caruso, which I am just now hearing, um, def- <laughs> definitely holding on to Desumu. Javante green doesn't really do it for me anyway. So uh, feel free to move on there. Ditto, yeah. ditto for white. Did you apologies if you said this already, but are you holding white or what, what's your vibe on him right now? I mean, I don't, if I need, if I need a streamer for points and triples, I'll get him. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's solid enough. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, kind of just a low-end guy. Yeah. We've got another update in Cleveland. Why don't you talk us through the Darius Garland situation? Darius Garland with this lower back bone bruise. So uh, there's been a lot of conflicting updates, I suppose. Uh, So here's the GM uh, the other day. He said that 
it's like a bone bruise where it's just like a day-to-day -day thing, nothing long-term, just needs rest. And then JB Bickerstaff said it's essentially a pain tolerance and mobility issue. As we know with back injuries, the only cure here is time. Mm -hmm. He's missed the past three, but I think it's worth noting that he did play in the All-Star game, which was just last Sunday. So how bad can this really be? And also, Cleveland, I understand that they're going to want this guy as healthy as possible for a playoff run, but this isn't really a team that can sit back and relax with him off the floor. They've gone one and two with him out, and they are currently just one game ahead of Boston for the number five seed, but they've... They're also just uh, seven games ahead of Charlotte, who sits in the number 10 seed. And I'm sure that they would like to avoid a play-in game. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm not panicking about Garland. It seems kind of like a day-to-day -day issue, but we also don't have a clear timetable. This is kind of similar to the OG situation, where if you were in the fantasy playoffs, if you do not have an IL spot, then you're you're gonna you're gonna you're in a very tough situation. But I would really try to stick with them in most cases because it does seem like it's just a matter of soon him getting back to the court. But in the meantime, it's been Brandon Goodwin, who's played really well. He put up 17 points, 12 assists, four boards, two triples, and two steals with just one turnover across 35 minutes last night. Shetty Osman has also played well over the past two, but I just never trust him. I wouldn't be surprised if he chucked up a bunch of donuts his next time out. So those are the two guys who are benefiting with uh, Karis Looker, Darius Garland, and Rajon Rondo all unavailable. Yeah, and expected to miss another week or so, at least, for Levert and Rondo. Are you picking up Goodwin? I mean, just a streamer guy, I assume. Definitely good for DFS still. His salary is still super cheap. I would pick him up if I needed the, his specific stat set in my matchup, yes. I think that he's someone worth grabbing with how well he's played. Yeah, I got to check how many games the Cavs have left, but assuming they have a favorable schedule, I'd definitely be down with that. Jetty Osman, as Steve would say, it's time to take your Jetty pills, Jared. It's uh, <laughs> it's just about that time. He seems to always find his way back onto fantasy rosters. Yeah, he's been good enough recently. I, I definitely give him a look. To your point about Garland, it's strange that he would have played 24 minutes in the All-Star game with an injury that cost him yeah. on, the, on the other side of the break. And it's an injury he's been dealing with. I just looked in our CMS player news blurbs since February 10th. So this isn't, you know, it was a pre-existing, you know, right around the break. We'll see. But I, it, it's a situation where there's nothing for us to do except take the Cavs at their word. If both the GM and the coach are saying it's a day-to-day -day thing, we have nothing else to go on except it's a day-to-day -day thing. So, uh, yep, just stash them in an IL, hope for the best. Yeah. I mentioned this earlier, but uh, hopefully this is true for you and most of our listeners. I feel like my IL has become much less fraught early in the season, as we know, with constant COVID absences like, forget it. Your IL was just maxed out constantly. I have one league. I have two IL spots, nobody in it. And, yeah. you know, now's the time to, if you are in that situation, that another little nice. strategic wrinkle, <laughs> if players are, you know, let's say you have a bye week or you're definitely going to make the playoffs. Another team doesn't have that luxury. So now they're cutting OG or they're cutting someone else who's clearly very valuable. Should they come back in time? Great. Grab, grab those guys. Like that's another reason to fight for yeah. all those wins throughout the season to put yourself in position to capitalize on frantic owners and the or managers in the yeah. last couple of weeks. Um, so I wouldn't hesitate to scoop the, any of these guys up 100%. if you're in a good spot and they hit the wire. All right. And then not quite an injury update, but I know you've, you wanted to talk a bit about the vaccine mandate and how it affects Kyrie or doesn't. 
Yeah, so New York's loosening their uh, vaccine mandate. I believe it's going to be on uh, March 7th when this is uh, going to officially go into effect. But New York, the, the mayor is loosening the mandate, but ultimately the decision is going to be up to Joe Tsai, who is the owner of the Nets and Barclays Center. And when uh, the mayor, I think he was on CNBC, he said that Tsai is taking a hardline approach. Um, he doesn't want to make an exception for one player. Here's the full full quote. Uh, it would send the wrong message just to have an exception for one player when we're telling countless number of New York City employees, if you don't follow the rules, you won't be able to be employed. So while the mandate's going to be lifted, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that Kyrie immediately returns to the floor. Ultimately, this is going to be up to uh, Joe Sai, and uh, it seems like he's not super interested in giving Kyrie special treatment. Yeah. But you know, Brook Brooklyn has given him special treatment, but that well, was uh, Steve Nash's decision, uh, not size. Is that right? Was that like a unilateral decision by Steve Nash to play him? See, I don't even know if I buy that. Like, surely it's not just his call. My my point was going to be sure Joe Sai is saying this now, political coverage, whatever. And then once New York City rolls back the the public mandate i would assume that he's going to follow suit with and change the private mandate for barclays center i don't know that for a fact i will say that we already heard from the nets who said adamantly uh sean marks and josiah at some point this season we kyrie will not play in just uh, road games he's not going to be a part-time player was the exact quote they were very adamant about yeah. that then suddenly injuries started thinning out <laughs> The, the, the Nets roster with Harden and Durant at the time. And they were like, actually, Kyrie, do you want to play a couple, <laughs> couple road games for us? So I don't know how much I'm buying this principled stance by Joe Sy, but uh, I think I think, uh, you know, best case is at least he can probably play at the Garden, you know, because that's. Yes, yeah. that's a good point. So that's a great point. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. And moving on to Indiana for our last section here. Buddy Heald, I know he's been showing you things that you didn't know he had in him or had forgotten that he had in him at the very least. Um, are, he, are you buying yeah. this? Yeah, what's the deal? He's been incredible. Specifically, his playmaking has really stood out to me. He's averaging a career-high five assists to go with <laughs> career highs across the board. It's 21.1 <laughs> points, 49.6% shooting, 3.4 triples, 5.4 boards. That's another career high. And a career-high time, 0.4 blocks per contest. The way that Rick Carlisle is utilizing him is phenomenal. Look, Alvin Gentry just, he didn't fit mm. in that system. Uh, we saw this flashes of him when, oof, Dave Yorger was the coach in Sacramento. And that was Buddy Heels' one really good season. And then Luke Walton took over, followed by Alvin Gentry. And they just didn't play a style that suited his game. We all know this basketball for some players, it's a lot about fit. And it seems like Buddy Heald has found an excellent fit with uh, Rick Carlisle in Indiana. Um, he's been a joy to watch. Uh, and, and I'm just incredibly impressed if you have anything to follow up with there. No, I, I, ditto. I mean, I, I echo all of that. Nor did I think that Buddy Heald would be this good in a Pacers uniform. It's definitely helped that Malcolm Brogdon has been hurt for much of the time that he's been there. I think Brogdon's only appeared in two games and then missed the last one for uh, injury management for that Achilles because they don't want to have any setbacks. So that's put the ball in Heald's hands a bit more than it will typically. So I think what the production we're seeing is elevated to me. 
but it's not again we're at the point in the season it's not like you can get off it and sell high so it's like just soak it up if you've had them all season and, and yeah. suffered through hey enjoy it you, you know this is your time <laughs> <laughs> but but he's I mean he's killing it and he's he's great. It was easy to forget that he was a top 60 fantasy player at times uh when he was really on his game in Sacramento. And you got to think the Lakers too watching what he's doing must be kicking themselves as they revisit the trade that <laughs> that could have been for Buddy yes. Heald and they ended up trading everything for Russell Westbrook and look how that got him. Yeah. Uh, it would have I think Kuzma for Heald. Uh, I forgot about Instead, that. Instead they threw in Har anyway, it doesn't matter. Um but yes, I healed super impressive. It's nice to see him find a spot, a guy who was disgruntled in the bench role, who was very clear, clear about that. And yet to his credit, just, you know, said, okay, if I'm going to be a six yeah. man, I'll be a six man, put my head down, go to work. Yeah. Wasn't thriving in that role as you, as you pointed out. Um, but it's good. And it's good to see him on ball a little bit more flashing his playmaking. Cause for so long, he was just standing in the corner, you know, spread the court right. so that Fox can drive and clear space, all that stuff. Um, so great. Yeah. And suddenly I love stories like that where buddy healed of all people can suddenly be a top 30 guy for the, for, for the ideal stretch and carry your teams. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, another, another guy who's carrying a lot of teams is Mr. Tyrese Halliburton. Yep. Oh man. Getting out of Sacramento. I mean, he was playing well in Sacramento, but he is, he is playing incredibly well in Indiana. Uh, the dimes, the points, the elite steals numbers. This guy looks like an easy top 20 pick to me next year. Uh, are you that high on him? I am, yeah. I think top 20 would be safe, sure. Yeah. I doubt you'll get him any lower than that. Like I would guess his his ADP next year will be like 15, right? Because he has both – he's got a tantalizing combination of – youth and like unknown still yes. sort of ceiling yes and then also demonstrated borderline first round production yes. so you put those two things together and we're going all right there's really no risk because i know he's got a first round floor floor already basically right. and i don't know how high this guy can go and i've seen him play and he's awesome so um yeah i doubt he's not going to come at a discount put it that way but i'd feel very confident uh drafting him at the end of the first round and he's awesome alongside, you know, it doesn't matter who's around him. He's been doing yes. it alongside Brogdon. He's done it alongside Duarte. He's done it alongside Heald. He did it alongside Fox. Um, right, this kid can right. play. So uh, I, I, I'm going to have him on a lot of my teams next year. Uh, moving on to the disappointing part of this was Chris Duarte uh, last night. Despite uh, Malcolm Brogdon missing an action, he saw just 14 minutes off the bench, uh, didn't do much. There's a lot going on in this backcourt. It's tough for me to get excited about him, particularly at this point in the fantasy season. Uh, I don't think that he's a guy that I'm going to be clinging to. In fact, probably after this podcast, I'm going to cut him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have done the same, I think. And, you know, a guy who needs pretty high volume, I think, in order to hit fantasy value. But even when you look at high volume so i just pulled up his per 36 minute stats on basketball reference chris duarte per 36 averaging 16.8 points on 43 percent shooting below 80 percent from the line five boards 2.7 dimes 1.3 steals 2.2 turnovers yeah. so it's numbers and then you know per 36 like as much as you can yeah, expect that's not great and those numbers are what like <laughs> top 120 maybe so I, yeah i don't see it i don't think beyond the fact that oh he's a buzzy sort of rookie like there's nothing left to cling to for fantasy 
to me, right. especially with Brogdon back and um, just day to day. Moving on to my man, Mr. Isaiah Jackson, who had a mediocre game but still sent away two shots. He was foul trouble. That brings us to 10 blocks over the past three games. This guy's been a monster. He looks safely locked in as the starting center. I have pretty much no faith that Miles Turner is going to come back in a meaningful way this season. Even if he does come back, uh, maybe he's missing games right and left and eventual shutdown. That would not surprise me at all. So it looks like Isaiah Jackson's the dude. I have him in pretty much all my leagues except for, I think it was your last pick in 30 deep, which um, I was furious about because I didn't get to make any picks in that league. Um, but aside from that, this this yeah. guy's crushing it. He looks like a, is this a diamond in the rough? He looks like a diamond right now. How do you feel about Mr. Isaiah Jackson? I mean, I love him. As you mentioned, I drafted him. Despite <laughs> He didn't play the first half of the season for Indiana. Spent some time in the G League, but I just kept stashing him. And then, I don't know if you'll remember, but Shams Charania reported that I remember <laughs> Isaiah Jackson was like among the quote unquote, like untouchable players for Indiana. And I was like, oh, yeah, he is. So that yeah. from then on, it was, oh, OK, there's no chance I'm going to cut this guy. Um, and yeah, he's looked awesome. You mentioned that the shot blocking rate and really that's the bedrock of his value. But he's also an extreme, extremely efficient player. So anytime he does touch the ball mm -hmm. offensively, he's probably going to score it. Um, just what you'd need from a cheap guy that you picked up off the wire to win you a couple categories like or or yes. help help you win it so i love him i think he's great uh miles turner i'm with you i'm not concerned about his his return uh you know they're not going to risk anything by playing miles turner in what will soon be meaningless games they've committed to him right. over sabonis as the you know veteran staple of that front court yes. going forward so they're not going to risk it they're nine games out of a possible play-in the knicks and wizards are ahead of them uh with the number 10 seed hornets that they need to catch for the play-in so yeah unless i have an open ir spot as we've mentioned a few times on the show I, i'll leave turner on the wire and lastly, Goga Batadze, he he was a bit better last night. Um, he had he had that he came back from the foot injury and just played one minute in that game. I think it was a matchup uh, issue, but he's been a little bit more involved uh, over the past two. I mean, these aren't great numbers, but six point five points, four boards, two dimes, one triple, one block in eighteen point seven minutes a night. Um, so you know, there's a little bit of value there. Yeah, mostly shot blocking awkwardly much like uh isaiah jackson but goga's minutes seem a little more iffy to me it's very matchup based yeah. as you pointed out if you know if indy needs size they'll throw him out there isaiah jackson's minutes are really foul dependent uh you know the pa yeah. past two games he had four fouls in each of those games four fouls and i think 38 minutes total uh in the previous mm -hmm. three games he had finally shown some progress on the foul front and was getting out of his own way a little bit. So hopefully we'll see more of that, more discipline. But again, if the guy is on the court for 20, 22 minutes, he's going to give you enough with 70% shooting and a couple of swats, six boards or so. That'll get it done in most fantasy formats. So with that, Jared, I think we've wrapped up the backcourt and the frontcourt in Indy. Some injury updates, of course, some John Morant 52-point madness. Again, <laughs> I encourage you to go watch those highlights if you haven't already. Hopefully, we'll see more of that in the coming weeks. Yes, I hope Jakob Pertl's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone go check on him in San Antonio. All right, all right. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, no problem. Catch you next week. Adios. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.